Yes, we are. <laughs> like uh, like Tyler said, and we we get to preach today. He gets to sit back and and take it in. So we're excited for for this, and because Hannah doesn't always speak the loudest, we wanted to make sure we had a mic. So <laughs> for you, for your sake. So I uh, just wanted to welcome you here today. Uh, hope that you guys are able to call Church at the Creek a, a church home. Um, and if you haven't been going very long, and if you haven't gotten to know us yet, my name is Tim, and this is my wife, Hannah, and we're uh, on staff here at Church at the Creek, and really excited for the word that, that God brought us today. Uh, we've, we've been talking about uh, shining and letting our light shine before others. Um, and really, that light is, is the light that comes into us when Christ comes into us. It's not just a light that we have to do good for other people, although we should do good for other people. Uh, it's not just good intention. It is, it is literally us representing Christ to other people. And that's what that light is. And that's a lot about what, we, what we've been talking about. And uh, today, we wanted to specifically spend some time talking about how you can practically share your story and bring that story into someone else's life. So uh, think about this for a minute. Have you ever known somebody who every time you talk to them, it seems like there's nothing but darkness in their life? Have you ever talked to somebody like that where everything they have to say is something about something that's going wrong in their life. You know, uh, I lost custody of my kids. Uh, we just don't have enough money to make it. My, my kids are acting out in school and I don't know what to do about it. And like, these are real issues, of course, but then it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any silver lining hope. or hope. Yeah. And, and it's almost like they, they feel trapped in the life that they have and it's hopeless. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? I see, I see heads nodding, so that's a good sign that I'm not the only one. Uh, <laughs> well, what if I told you that by telling them your story, you could be the vehicle and the tool that God has to deliver hope into their story and to intersect hope with their story, the hope of Christ with their story. That's what we want to talk about today. And this, God wants to do that. He has, it, he has it in his heart a desire to intersect with your life at some point. And really, in the reality, when I think about even my days before really walking with Christ, I can look back and see ways that he was trying to do that and where he was, where he was giving me opportunities to, to, to say yes to him and to intersect with, his, uh, with him. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, and that's really what it talks about in our story today. It's going to be in John chapter 4. And uh, before we jump into John chapter 4, I want to read you something from John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That first part in particular, it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I've heard it said uh, in, the, in the message translation, it says that he put on skin and he moved into the neighborhood. And I, I think that just works really well with the, with the vernacular that we have at Church of the Creek with our neighbors and our community. And, and it shows his desire. He, he's not some distant God. He wants to come and have relationship with us enough to leave his earthly or his heavenly throne put on earthly skin and live among us he was Emmanuel God with us 
And so that's, that's what happens to the person in our story today. Jesus intersects their story. So there's a woman in the book of John. Is it working? No. Oh, now it is. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's a woman in the book of John that lived in a town in Samaria. And, um, sorry, <laughs> lived in a town in Samaria. And the Samaritans in this culture, in the time of when the Bible was written, um, Samaritans were really looked down upon um, by the Jewish people. They were seen as impure racially, and there was a lot of prejudice against them and a lot of judgment cast towards them. Um, cause that's, that's the light that the Jewish people viewed them in. And this woman in our story um, was a Samaritan. On top of that, she was also a woman who, um, in that culture, women didn't have as much value as men. Today, we see lots of things promoting the rights of women. They didn't, they didn't have that back then. Um, also, in that time, um, a lot of a woman's value came through marriage, and if there was, um, if a woman was engaged with a man outside of marriage or had had divorces that really devalued her as well. And this woman had been divorced five times and was living with a man who wasn't currently her husband. So this woman in the eyes of this culture um, was carrying a lot of shame. Um, I imagine a lot of hopelessness. Um, Her place in society was pretty much at the bottom. And um, in her story, she was going out to get water um, from a well. And typically, from what I understand about this culture, is that typically it was the custom for women to go and get water um, for their families in the mornings while it was still cool. So they didn't have to carry this big, heavy jug or whatever they used of water back to their homes in the heat of the day. Well, it mentions in this story that this woman was coming out to this well around noon. So she's coming out in the heat of the day. And um, I've, it's been explained to me in the past that it's um, in my Bible classes and such that this is probably because she was avoiding the other women. <laughs> in the story, she's the only one at the well. She's out in the heat of the day, not at the time when the other people would have come out. And um, so this was a woman that was pretty isolated, pretty alone, um, pretty hopeless and at the, at the bottom of her society. And Jesus was about to intersect her story in this moment. And it's pretty cool. He actually was waiting for her at this well when she got there. He intentionally went there and sat down and waited. His disciples went into the village to buy food, and he sat there and waited for this woman. And when she got there, he asked her to get him a drink out of the well. And um, she understandably was surprised that he was talking to her. He was, besides the fact that he is the son of God, she didn't yet know that, he was a Jewish man that was also a teacher. He was on the complete end of the social spectrum from her and um, in many ways would have been seen as above her. And yet he's sitting there waiting for her. He asks her for a drink. Um, And after her initial surprise, um, Jesus says, you know, if you knew who it was talking to you right now, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water a type of water that springs up into a well of its own inside of you where you'll never be thirsty again. And she understandably thinks he's talking about a physical water where Jesus is talking about something spiritual within her and says, give me some of this water so that I don't have to come out here and draw water anymore so I won't be thirsty again. And Jesus says, you know, go go and get your husband and come back. 
So she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus responds by telling her, you're right when you say this, you've been divorced five times and the man you're living with isn't your husband. And she realizes in this moment, like I'm not talking to a regular person here. She says, sir, I see that you're a prophet, which was someone that you know spoke um, on behalf of God to people. And, um, and they end up having this wonderful conversation about worship and God's heart for all people and not just for the Jewish people. And she says that she knows that the Messiah is going to come, the promised one, um, and that he's going to explain all things to them. And Jesus reveals to her um, clearly, which he didn't do f- to a whole lot of people throughout his ministry to just clearly say, but he said, um, I am he. So this woman goes back into her village um, where she carries all this shame, runs back in there and tells everyone, this man told, told me everything I ever did. Like, could this be the Messiah? And um, the verse here, starting in verse 39, says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So the people of the village believed her stories, but then when Jesus intersected their stories because of hers, then they were able to believe for themselves, not just because of her, but because they got to encounter Jesus. And, yeah. I feel like I should use this. If it's too loud, let me know. Um, and, and really, I think it's important that we recognize and, and pause for a minute on her reaction to the, uh, what I believe is the crux of that moment of when he actually begins to inter- intersect into, into somewhere of her life that people don't normally intersect into. So we all have those places within our hearts that we, we don't let other people see immediately. We kind of have to build trust with them before we're going to expose that to them. You know, the, the sins that we've committed, the, the brokenness in our lives, we're not likely to willingly uh, volunteer that information most of the time, right? That's the part where once you're able to share that with someone, you really can tell that you're beginning to go deep with them, that they've intersected into your life to a significant point, right? So that's why I believe that moment with the woman is so critical. And how she responds is important and how we respond is equally as important. Do you think that she could have responded with being offended or being defensive? Like, what if God was like, hey, yeah, uh, don't worry. I know about all the, you know, the addiction and the, and the overabuse of alcohol in your life. Don't worry. I, I, I know about that. Like, just out of nowhere, <laughs> you're having a regular conversation. It's like, yeah, go, uh, go, go pick up some drinks. And she's like, well, I, I don't drink. It's like, yeah, I know. I understand. Like, you don't drink because you overdrink. You'd be like, whoa, like, what are you saying, dude? Like, what's going on? That, that, would, be, that would be my response <laughs> to any old person talking to me, but this wasn't any old person, right? She, she started to get that, but she could have behaved by saying like, you know what, I don't need to talk to you. I'm gonna walk away, I'm gonna go home. Back to my life. Back to the brokenness, back to the darkness with no hope. Do you think that she felt very similarly like we talked about earlier, like no hope in her life? She could have also responded, uh, 
positively in the moment, but what would have happened if she had gone back and not told anybody what that this just happened? That kind of happens to us sometimes. God does something amazing in our lives. We go, wow, God, thank you so much. I'm so blessed that this happened in my life. Now I'm going to just keep going. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody because that's personal. You know, I don't really need to talk to anybody about that because that was something that happened, you know, personally. You know, uh, what would have happened? Well, all of those people, they wouldn't have gotten to come and meet Jesus. They wouldn't have met him. They wouldn't have known him. They wouldn't have been able to say, now we know for ourselves because we've talked to him, spent time with him. We know who this guy is. This is the Messiah. We know for ourselves. They wouldn't have been able to do that. And so I think it's really important that we look at how we respond when God gives us an opportunity to intersect with what he's wanting to do in our lives. So this is like before we, like we haven't even gotten to talking about how to share your story with somebody else. But how we respond to what God's doing in our lives is critically important to our ability to even share what God is doing in our lives with somebody else. Does that make sense? It's critically important how we respond in that moment. So when it comes to sharing our story, it's really important. Okay, this is, this is where it's coming around again. It's really important that we understand the heart of Christ for us. And not just for us, but for other people too. Knowing what his heart is for us will grow all sorts of things within us and give us the ability to share our stories well. So let's talk for a minute about what God's heart for you is. Um, what his heart for this woman was and what his heart is for every person in this room. So when he made you, um, he had a purpose and a plan for you. And he has such deep love for you that cannot even be fathomed. Seeing every sin, seeing every thought that you're embarrassed about or ashamed about, every um, poor decision that you ever made. Just like this woman, he's able to look right at that and right at you to acknowledge it and still love you and still want you. And he's given us um, a mission to go and share that love with other people. And if we can grasp um, that love that he has for us, the Bible says um, that that love, that perfect love casts out fear. So if you have fear of talking to other people about your story about Jesus, what casts out that fear is the love of God, the perfect love of God. And if we can, it's a lifelong journey, I feel, to just begin to grasp how deep the love of God is for each one of you. And he doesn't want us to just go through our lives. Well, he does want us to enjoy things in our lives. He doesn't want us to go through our lives just simply... um, attending church, enjoying fellowship with each other, and um, enjoying the blessings he's given us as much as that is his heart. Um, but he's also, we, we're also on mission in this world. And he has designed each one of you with unique giftings um, that you can use to reach the world around you, where you can shake this world with the love of Jesus. And you can um, turn the beliefs of society on their head and show the truth of Jesus and bring hope into people's lives where there's darkness, where you can be that light. And he can help you do that. And one of the most powerful tools that you have is your testimony. And when we, when we grasp that, 
some, the, any complacency we have in our lives where we just kind of want to sit back and be spectators. Um, I'm guilty of that at times, and I think we all are in moments um, where we watch the work the church is doing instead of being the church. Um, that love really gets that out of your heart and you realize, I have to share this with others. God, give me a heart for others. And um, this, this testimony that we're talking about, your story, your testimony, is one of the best tools you have at your disposal to practically share the love of God. And I just, I just want to add to what she said a little bit about, about that love that you feel for, for other people when you're sharing. So this is why you shouldn't share your story as an obligation because have you ever felt like someone was obligated to love you? That doesn't feel like love, does it? It feels very much like mandated (laughs) and uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And so I've had to have moments where I'm about to go do something like, you know, I'm serving the, you know, we've, we've gotten to partner with a ministry before in Colorado Springs that gives socks to homeless people. And as we were serving with them, I've had moments where I'm about to hand someone something and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, put on a smile, you know, uh, do what I got to do. And it's like, God, like, give me love for this person in the same way that you love me. Like she said, like Jesus loved this Samaritan woman who was at the bottom of the totem pole. Like the absolute bottom. And he, with, of all people, he does this. Of all people <laughs> that he would share his identity with, he, he chooses her. He says, I, I am the Messiah. You know, he didn't do that with everybody, like Hannah mentioned. And I think that's because he saw in her that need for hope. So if we can look at other people and say, like, God, help me remember when I needed that hope. Like, this person needs that hope now. I think that'll birth that love within us. And so I want to give you a few practical steps today about sharing your story, about how you can be, again, the tool that God uses to intersect that hope with, with somebody else. So the first, is, it's pretty basic. It's just praying for opportunities. How often do you do that? I mean, that's something I'm convicted about even reading. That. I'm like, man, Lord, I need to pray for those more more opportunities. Uh, we, we like to call them divine appointments. Opportunities where it's like only God could have set this up. And it's like the perfect moment to share my story. How could I not right now? And it, it helps you highlight and see God moving in someone else's life as well as your own. So praying for those opportunities is huge. But even more than that, I would say, is recognizing those opportunities. Because how many times, you know, maybe you have taken that first step to to pray and ask God for opportunities to share your story, to share the gospel, to witness to somebody. How many times have you prayed that and either the perfect moment goes past you and you don't even notice it, and then you look back later and go, oh, that would have been perfect, you know, or you just choose not to. It's uncomfortable, you know, I don't really want to, you know, and and we'll get get to that in just a minute. I think that there's a few reasons, a few obstacles, and Hannah's going to talk about that, uh, to why we don't share our story. But we'll come back to that. So just put that on the table for a minute. One of the, the most helpful things that you can do, so you pray for opportunities. You ask God to help you recognize those opportunities. But three, I think it's really important that we know just generally how to do that. In my experience, I think that most believers haven't really taken the time to try to articulate that. And so when they get to that moment, they're not even sure what to say, honestly. 
And that's not, you know, I'm not condemning anyone for that. I think that's something we need to intentionally practice, though. Uh, if, we, if we want to be effective in that way. And so this is not at all my mandate to you is how it has to look, but something that I think could be a helpful tool to you. If, you, if you're like me and you like structure, this will help you. And if you don't, you can throw it right out the window uh, like my wife would. <laughs> um, uh, she doesn't like structure a whole lot. <laughs> so uh, the general structure, though, it, it's like this, okay? You can remember this. It's, it's four words. Before... Then Christ, now. Before, then Christ, now. So who was I before? Who did I used to be? What brokenness have I come from? What, what life was I in where I felt hopeless? Then Christ. But then Christ intersected my story in some way. And it doesn't even have to be dramatic, church. It doesn't have to be this crazy moment where you were at the bottom of the barrel and you had nothing left and then Christ swooped in and grabbed you. That can be your story, and it is for many people, but not always. And again, we'll touch on this in a moment, on, on that point a little bit further. But then Christ, so the, that, that intersection moment, it's critical because it helps people recognize this might be that moment for them. So before, who I was before, then Christ. But then, I think even more than that is, who are you now? What has Christ actually done in your life? Why should this person want this? Why does, why does this hope matter to them? Because if, look at what he's done. From where I was to where I am, what has Christ done in me? I think that's so, so, so important. And again, like I said, it doesn't have to be uh, this this crazy, uh, dramatic story. Because let's be honest, and I think this is one of the reasons, one of the barriers we'll talk about. We don't share our story because we don't feel like we have a story sometimes. Honestly. But again, we'll talk about that in a second. But know that it doesn't always necessarily even have to be your salvation story. Because God continually works in all of our lives Maybe that's not even the most relevant story that you can share for that particular moment, what that person's going through. Maybe they're saying something about how they're, they're, you know, they're just, they're, they're messed up and they, they don't know what to do with themselves because they're losing custody of their kids. And you could say, you know, I don't, even if you've never walked through that, you could say, you know, I've never had to experience that like you have. But let me tell you, I've seen God work through the lives of my kids and in my parenting and in my life through X, Y, and Z. You know, it's it, like you don't have to say like, I, you know, this is my hope in Jesus because I, you know, came to him at this point. Like that wouldn't make sense. But showing people that, yes, God does move and he does still do things. That's really, really important. I think uh, another important piece practically when we think about this is that the gospel is really meant, and, and when I say the gospel, I just mean salvation stories but kind of everything encompassing there like the gospel like god redeems our whole self our whole lives right so we should share about that the gospel is meant to be sorry our testimony is meant to be a bridge to that gospel so it should never really just be like here's what god did in my life that's great let's keep going on like with what like what would be the point of that like no it should it should be look at what god did in my life Man, I really think you could do that in your life too. Right? 
What, like, if you're sharing, like, what would be the point of it? Like, what, they would literally ask you, like, okay, what was the point of telling me that story if, if that can't come into my story? I think that's really important. Like if the woman had, like if the woman had gone back to the village and said something like, "Hey, like look at this awesome thing Jesus did," and never said like, "Do you want to come?" Like, <laughs> so absolutely, <laughs> that <laughs> right there. Um, and uh, like I said before, let's let's go into this a little bit. What if you don't feel like you have a testimony? What if you feel like you don't really have much of a story? to tell. Maybe you are like me. You grew up in a Christian home and you always really went to church. Uh, you, you don't really remember not going to church on a Sunday morning. You don't really ever remember Christ not being talked about in your home. Maybe that's more your story. Well, first of all, I want to say praise God because that's amazing. There's so many broken people out there that would tell you, you know what? I had to walk from all of that brokenness in my past and, and choose Christ and come out of that. And he's had to heal me in a lot of ways. I'm so grateful that you didn't have to do that. Right? That's, so first of all, that's a testament uh, of God's blessing on your life in and of itself. But I think that it's also important to see um, that, that we, can, we can share, like I said before, all the different ways that God's impacting our life. But just the joy of what it means to walk with him daily. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I kind of want to put you on the spot a little bit here. You know, do you feel, and you don't have to raise your hand, do you feel like you have joy in your daily walk with Christ? Do you? If you don't, recognize that it's okay in the sense that, you know what, you're probably not alone with that. Not because Christ isn't good, but sometimes we get distracted and we lose sight of what's most important. But that joy is a testimony. That daily joy of knowing and walking with him is a testimony. Even, even the way that um, God is with you throughout your day, if that's something that you've grown up knowing, um, there's many people who haven't experienced what that's like yet. Mm-hmm. To have the Holy Spirit speaking to them throughout the day, to have um, just the presence of God with you throughout the day. That is something that can radically touch the heart of someone who doesn't yet know the Lord or, or someone who's young in their faith to talk to them of, hey, this is how you cultivate that. This is how you get to know the voice of God. This is how you start to recognize him. And let me tell you what a joy it is to walk in intimacy um, with your creator. Hmm. Even if you don't have a story like one of these videos we've watched the last few weeks, that is powerful. So kind of like, and, and I say kind of like this, I really think it's the exact same thing. The size of room we have right here and the statistics, it's, it's likely that some of you have grown up in a home that didn't have a father. And you know what that's like to not grow up with a father. But for those that did grow up with a father, sometimes it's like they didn't understand what it was like to live, to grow up without a father. For those that have grown up in the church, we know what it's like to have a father in that way. And it's the same idea. We know what it's like. We know who God is. And if we allow it, that can become commonplace. However, for the person that has never known what a father is, that could be the most powerful story that they ever hear. It actually will be the most powerful story they could ever hear. This is what it's like growing up with a father. You can have one. And his name is Jesus. 
And this is what he's done in my life. And this is what he can do in your life. Very, very important. And the last, uh, I would say, practically, when you think about you know, sharing your story. So, so this is different than what we just talked about. Sometimes you feel like you don't have a story because you feel like the story you do have isn't significant. But I think it's also important for us to really honestly take a look at ourselves and, and, and think, okay, maybe I don't have a story because I haven't ever actually allowed Christ to intersect my life before. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've read the Bible. Maybe you've done all these things, but you've never let him penetrate you and intersect with that deep core of who you are, like I described earlier with the Samaritan woman, with the woman at the well. If that's you, talk to us because we want to allow you the opportunity to kind of think through that and and express like, you know, I know a lot about God, but I don't know if I necessarily know if I know God. If I know him personally, intimately, like this person did in the story today. So when we go to share our stories, there's some, and as we've talked to lots of people who are um, just starting to learn to do this, there's a couple really common um, barriers, I guess, that we come across in sharing the story. And I'd say the primary one um, is probably fear um, and just feeling like I'm I'm shy or I'm I'm introverted and I just I'm not comfortable talking to new people and there's nothing wrong with that um, God has wired each person differently with unique giftings and He's if you're an introvert He's made you that way and that's nothing to be ashamed of um, but you can still learn how to love others and share your story with others. You, God may not have you stand up on a platform and do it in front of 500 people, <laughs> but um, he but, can still use you to impact the lives of others. And you might not be that platform person, but you might be better than the platform person at having a one-on-one conversation with somebody. You might be. That's true. Um, so for that, I have... Um, Oh, they're already already. so wonderful. Um, I already have have verses here um, (laughs) for you. So um, first of all, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, um, it says Paul talking. And he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The other verse is Luke 12, 11 and 12. And it says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And both of these stories encourage us that you don't have to have the perfect words. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. But if you're obedient and step out in faith, God will help you. And he'll help you have the words to say when you need them. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, um, that verse about perfect love casts out all fear. Um, when we get the love of God in us, that gives us a sort of a boldness <laughs> that only comes from God's spirit. That we don't have these insecurities to worry about because um, we're, it's God's spirit working through us. It's not just ourselves. Um, and that love also gives us love for the people around us to the extent that it almost overrides that fear in a sense. Not that you won't get like butterflies or get a little nervous, but that person knowing God's love becomes more important than the discomfort 
we feel inside. Um, another um, barrier, um, the second one I'd say is a lack of training and that I just don't know how. And that's, um, hopefully this will help today, this, this conversation we're having with you all today in that respect. Um, but if you wanna talk about it more, we'd be, we'd be happy to. Um, and the third is um, that sometimes when we've been going to church a long time, we can get kind of complacent. Um, where we can get used to just um, get used to hearing the gospel, get used to hearing, you know, Jesus died for our sins and, you know, he's alive again, Jesus is God. You know, those are powerful statements, but they, mm. if we hear them over and over again, um, we can stop letting them sink deeply into our core and we can become a little complacent and we can come to church a little more as consumers. Um, and... Let's see. Um, I have a verse about two verses about that as well. Um, so the first one is the Great Commission, um, where Jesus, before going back into heaven, said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, um, with all power on heaven and earth, told us to go and make disciples. Told, so first of all, told his disciples to go and make disciples. But then he tells them, um, he tells them to teach their disciples to obey everything that he has commanded them. So whatever Jesus commanded his disciples, they were supposed to teach to their disciples who were supposed to teach to their disciples. So we are, how, who knows how many generations beyond that, and um, we are God's disciples. Um, if you've just accepted Jesus into your heart, so we carry that same command of go and make disciples, each and every one of us. And um, it'll look different for some people than it will for others, and that's okay, because everyone has different, different roles within the church and different giftings. Um, but we're all supposed to take part in that mission. So Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So when you go to share... As, as God speaks to you today, as we, as we speak to you, um, if complacency is something you're, you're struggling with, or this just maybe seems old, maybe it needs a freshness, talk to God about that. Um, but also remember, when you go out into the world, that you were once without Christ, and that you were once in the place that you're in, and aren't you so glad that someone shared with you? And I just want to echo some of that about complacency. So if I was going to put a word to kind of where I was in the majority of my upbringing, again, growing up in that, it probably would be complacency. You know, it began, you know, with a lot of fire, a lot of excitement, you know, coming to Christ. And it should. But what happens is if we don't stay with that close, like, growing relationship with God, if we, if we only come and let someone else feed us, if we don't feed ourselves, some of those things, uh, then, then we're likely to become complacent. I was the guy, as a worship leader, that was hearing music made, like, new albums by different people over and over and over again, singing about the same thing. And I'm kind of sitting there like, what's the big deal? 
(laughs) You know, like, yes, I know Christ died on the cross for our sins, and I know that we didn't deserve it, and I know all these things, but what's the big deal? Why do we keep singing about this? Yeah, it's great, but is it that great? (laughs) And, like, I kind of shudder a little bit personally inside to think that I had that, that, that thinking, but, and I don't mean to put that on you, but I, I think sometimes what we need is to have a personal encounter again with, with God, where it changes things again. We even see that in the book of Acts, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit at the book, at the beginning of the book, but they go back again and again and again and again, and they get a new filling, a new fire, a new anointing for that day. We can't live on yesterday's filling of the Holy Spirit. We can't live on yesterday's excitement for Christ. He wants us to have that every single day. And I think that if we have that ongoing, growing relationship and time with him, uh, then, then it, it will continue to grow and it'll continue to be on fire, so to speak. So just to, to, to recap and kind of those practical steps here, I'd encourage you all um, to spend some time in prayer. Um, to ask God to start to lead you into situations where you'd have opportunities to share your, your story or the way God has intersected with your life. And beyond that, to be able to, to make a bridge to the gospel, to ask people um, about their story. <laughs> That's another really, really powerful thing, asking people about their story. People like to, I mean, we like to talk about ourselves, you know, like that's just kind of the way a lot of people are. And if you start asking someone about their story um, and you have the vulnerability to share your own, um, that'll open up conversation to a lot of places that maybe need God's healing. And God will give you wisdom, um, just like those verses said, where God will give you the words you need in that moment. You don't have to feel 100% prepared going in. You just have to be obedient and God will help you. And um, if you can get to those issues where someone's experiencing um, brokenness, what a beautiful way to be able to bring in God's light and God's hope and to say, well, let me tell you what God did in my story. I think he can do that for you too. And um, if they have questions about God that you don't know the answers to, that's okay. You can say, you know, I don't know, but um, I know someone I can ask, and you can come talk to Tyler. <laughs> and he um, has all the answers. So. <laughs> um, but I'd encourage you to take some risks, be vulnerable, and, and have fun with it. Let God work through you and um, get a little uncomfortable and go introduce yourself to someone and invite someone out to coffee. And um, it's fun and it's exciting. And if you haven't led someone to the Lord before, um, it's it's a really cool thing. It's a little bit like what, this is going to sound horrible, but I imagine it's probably a little bit like what it's like when someone gets like addicted to drugs or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like this crazy exciting moment. You just got to have it again. You just got to go do it again. You've got to bring hope into someone else's life. And it's like, um, you just can't get enough of it. And I know that's a horrible example, but it's the one I thought of. Um, <laughs> but, um, but just get out there and try it and pray. And if you need some practical practical any any more insights or tools or you don't feel like god's in your story yet um come talk to us or come talk to tyler um we'd like to just finish up today though by um tim and i would love to pray for you all and um then tyler's gonna do communion and we'll we'll end in worship um but we'd love the opportunity to pray for you um Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room and the chance that we've had today to share your words with them. Um, Father, I have this, this verse for them that you've, you've laid on my heart. Um, 
when talking about your church, it says they triumphed over him, meaning the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. God, give this room that sort of boldness that would have such love for you and such boldness that even the thought of death on your behalf would not be frightening. God, that walking up to a new person to share your love would become over time something that is exciting and not intimidating. I pray that you would equip them with gifts, Lord, to share your words in each of their own unique ways. God, encourage their hearts, silence any lies of the enemy that tells them that they're inadequate. God, you have made them powerful in your spirit, and you have a mission that only they can complete. God, I thank you for this room of believers, and I thank you for your church. And God, for anyone in this room that is not yet in relationship with you, anyone that's still searching, God, I pray that you would just touch their hearts right now and let them feel your love the way you did to the woman in our story today, that woman at the well. Let them know that your love for them is so deep and that you look at them right now, that you see every sin, every mistake, every flaw, and you call them beautiful. You call them loved, and you are ready to offer them redemption and a new life. God, we love you, and we thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We thank you for using us as your tools in this world. God, you didn't have to to involve us. You didn't have to give us a role like you did. But God, you use us and you work in us and through us. And you let us walk in intimate daily relationship with you. God, I thank you for that. And I pray that you grow the faith of every person in this room. Thank you for the giftings you've given them. Thank you for the ways that you've used them already. And thank you that you love them and have been walking alongside them, whether they've seen you or not, through your entire lives. And that you just can't wait to intersect in their story again. And God, I just want to lift up to you uh, praise and, and thankfulness, great gratitude for those in this room today, that they can hear this message. Lord, I pray that you would begin to fill their hearts with something new, with some new excitement for this topic where maybe there was fear, maybe there was complacency, maybe there was doubt before. Maybe, may there be at least a glimmer of excitement of the idea that they can share their story and bring someone else into relationship with you, God. May that excite them more than anything else. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts from making them feel like it has to look a certain way. Lord, I think we sometimes get this image of what a conversation is going to look like or, or what real you know, evangelists do. You know, I'm not that. But God, you have made them who they are. Like Hannah said before, you've given them gifts, talents, and abilities that you want to use to expand and grow your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would give them all a boldness and a fierce love for those around them. God, that they would not shy away, that they would not back down because they have what this person needs. They have your love, God, ready to be expressed to them. So God, continue to move at Church of the Creek. Continue to move in this congregation and in these people. And may your hand of blessing be over every single person as they go to share their stories. In Jesus' name.